Hello everyone and welcome to episode 31 of the Talking Fitball podcast. My name's Derek Clark and every week I bring you an exclusive in-depth interview with some of the most colourful and interesting characters in the game. This week I had the pleasure of chatting to Maurice Ross, a man who's won it all in Scottish football with Rangers and now is embarking on a career as a coach at Motherwell. I met Maurice at the Cricklewood in Bovel and it was fascinating to listen to his story in the game from growing up in Dundee, mixing with proper superstars at Ibrox as he enjoyed some epic battles with Celtic, playing for Scotland and his coaching career so far, which has seen him take charge of clubs in Norway and the Faroe Islands and now as reserve team boss at Firth Park. It's another engaging, no-holds-barred, honest interview, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode of the Talking Football Podcast. Thanks very much for listening to the Talking Football podcast. I'm joined this week by the one and only Maurice Ross, former Rangers in Scotland star and uh, Motherwell coach as well. Maurice, thanks very much for, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, pleasure to have you on. Uh, let's look back at a great career in the game. Uh, growing up in Dundee, were you always playing football as a, a young boy? Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I guess like most, most kids, well maybe not nowadays because everything's organised by your mum and dad, um, but just, just out um, with your friends. Mm-hmm. Kicking a ball against the yeah the wall and, and pl- putting two coats down all that cliched stuff but it, that's how it was. Um, stayed in an area where there was there was many families I think fifteen hundred families in the, within the eighteen stories the eighteen different multi stories that were there. So we always had you know, two or three f- ten fifteen people whatever it was to to go and play football and, and just basically stumbled across it. Mm-hmm. Um, just went for a, a trial, didn't even have football boots or anything, mm-hmm. um, but, my, but my, me and mate Kenny. And yeah, it just kind of moved quite quick from there, like nine year old and then ten year old I ended up training with Dundee United twice a week. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just stumbled across it and then, and then it just kind of grew from there without really having a, a real focus to be a footballer, it just kind of evolved. Mm-hmm. Did you follow any team? Being yeah, I was a Dundee United fan, yeah. um, the crazy Dundee United fan. Um, crazy to support Dundee United or a crazy, <laughs> I don't know, but um, no, Dundee United were my, my first love with, with the football. Morris Malpass, Paul Hegarty, and you know, and, and funnily enough, the, these guys ended up coaching me at Dundee United. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of like a, f- a thing that they did at Dundee United in the days where Scotland internationals were coming down and coaching 10 year olds. I mean, what a start in football that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Morris Malpass, Paul Hegarty. Ah, legends. Great, great guys, great footballers. Great coaches, um, and you know even Kenny Cameron, mm-hmm. who was a phenomenal coach, um, Stubby, Gordon Wallace, Jim McLean at times. Yeah. You know, ten, twelve year old getting these boys talking about body shape, how to receive a ball, just, 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 uh, just a, just a great grounding for 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 someone so young to be getting that level of detail, and it's never left me, mm-hmm. and it's something of. A twelve-year-old, I, I can I can see myself coaching within my setup. I was always kind of that vocal, the vocal type, never the technically gifted, but the kind of ones that could influence the match by coaching and, and, and positioning people and, and positioning myself. So mm-hmm. I, it was for the stuff that Malpass and whatnot gave me. It was it was um, invaluable. And how did the, the Rangers move come about? Did they send scouts up to? Well, it's like it, uh, the, the, yeah, they had they had a scout in Dundee, Murdoch, uh, Murdy Stewart, but it, it was actually. Uh, local news agent that I went to at lunchtime and, and they'd said that you know, a, a 
I, I didn't believe him at the time that, that Rangers were watching me and that was when I was about 12. Um, and they never approached me until another two years and it was 14 year old where they invited me through to play in a, a, a bounce game at, uh, at, the, at the, I think it was Clyde, Clyde or Hamilton it was, I think it was probably Clyde. Uh, at Ibrox, the, the AstroTurf that over, is overlooked by Ibrox at yeah. the time, um, where Archie Knox and I'm not sure if Walter was watching, was watching for the manager's office because that looks directly down. Mm -hmm. And straight after the game, they, Archie had asked me to to commit to the club, um, and that was a, as a right winger. By the way, I don't know if I'd ever made the grade as a right winger, <laughs> but that was the case at the time. You know, they, they probably just saw somebody that was quick and and, and mobile and, and, and kind of. You can see it straight away when you when you watch football. Yeah. Good pro, good attitude, loves football, mm -hmm. and sometimes that's enough. Mm -hmm. Well, it was enough because that was basically my my attributes uh, in a nutshell. So. I keep telling these young boys nowadays, you all get wrapped up and juggling and balancing it on your neck and it's a nonsense. Mm. Can you receive it in the right area to influence a football match? Can you give it 10 yards at the right angle, yeah. at the right speed? Can you recognise he's been pressed? Can you miss him out? Can you do... All these other things are learned actions. Yeah. No balancing the ball on your toe. Yeah. Doesn't it work? Yes, there are individuals that can. But they're playing professional football, no, because of that. Yeah. Because when you're doing keepy ups, you're doing it on a post. You've not got somebody that's three inches bigger than you and ten kilos heavier than you nudging you. Yeah. So there's all these things that I recognise now that when I'm actually coaching to my young boys, that very, very little of it is in the execution. Mm -hmm. Majority of my coaching comes from the perception of what is required at the right moment. Mm -hmm. Recognising that you've got a chance. Mm -hmm. Second thing, can you run? <laughs> because you've got to run. You've got to run for 90 minutes, 94 minutes, 95 minutes. Mm -hmm. And you've got to run in sync. So when, you're, when your right winger goes to press and you're a right fullback, you've got to go in sync with him. Mm -hmm. Unless the midfielder's shifting over, then you've got to stay. But that's a recognition. Mm -hmm. You don't recognise that too. You're in a position that you shouldn't be and you get circumnavigated by a pass. Boof. So it's about trying to trying to alter the, the way they process football matches and process football scenarios and the only way of doing that has been giving them the theory mm -hmm. giving them the practical giving them the analysis repeat it's just that cycle mm -hmm. um, so yeah that, that's the kind of pro but I, I honestly think it all starts from my upbringing at Dundee United mm -hmm. initially I really do you joined Rangers then you went down Arch Knox was sort of signed you there and then you said no? No, no, he, he asked me, they, they, well he said they would like to sign me and I said well look man, my mum will not allow that um, and right, right enough they, they tried on many occasions and you know they, they do, I mean I'm not saying this is any, anything special, it's just everybody, every every young player gets it, you know, they, they take your mum and dad to the game and they, mm -hmm. they put you in a hotel and they fluff you up a wee bit and all that stuff so but my mum wasn't really impressionable on that, so she, she waited and right enough I had to finish my school and then decide and it was between, we whittled it down to, it was it was basically going to be Rangers, Man City or Newcastle uh, and the other two offered me quite substantial mm -hmm. contracts in comparison to what I signed with Rangers, I signed Rangers for I think f £75 a week um, plus my digs. For the first two years, and then it increased to I don't know, three, four, three fifty, four fifty, or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I just wanted to, I just wanted to be at Ibrox. I had a feeling that that was the place I wanted to be, um, and, and I bought it okay, I guess. Archie Knox, what was what was your first impressions of? That Smashing guy, mm-hmm. really, and and you know, obviously, I still see Archie at some games and that lovely man. Um, yeah, lovely man. But you know, at the end of the day, he's a Rangers assistant manager, so he goes through being a lovely man to the guy that's trying to shape your career, and he's he's quite you know, old school values, blunt, to the point. Mm-hmm. Be fit, be the best you can be. All, all these old school values that sometimes overlooked. Um, yeah, but I've got nothing but respect for that generation of coach. Mm-hmm. Do they work nowadays? Probably not as much. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a detailed freak, uh, so I'm, I'm not that coach. But I have still kept the values and the core of what these guys professed. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, football's about running for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. The devil in the detail, yes, that, that does help. Uh, but if you don't run and you don't fight and you don't match runners and you don't be a good professional, or you, you don't behave like a good professional, then, you, then you'll struggle. So it is part of my makeup, but I have a, a certainly a more modern take on, on how things should be done um, for, from my point of view. So when did you eventually sign for Rangers when you had a. What, your mum and all that? Uh, no, no, it was, more, it was never. My mum against me, or she, mm. she just wanted me to be mature enough to make a decision that was that, that, that I understood, understood mm. what I was going into. Um, and as much as moving away from home, it's only 90 miles down the road. So if you, if you yeah. were homesick, you were up the road in an hour and a half on a megabus or, or a train or mm. whatever it was, versus going down to Newcastle, it's four hours, going down to Manchester's, probably four mm. hours again. Um, and just being around Scottish people, and, and, and she can come to my games, and so it, it was—it was—it was, it wasn't a joint decision. My mum would never dare tell me what to, to do from a football sense, um, and, and she's supported me ever since on, on, on my football career. So it was the right—I mean, I, I don't get it. It was absolutely the right call. Absolutely the right call. What did your auntie make of it? <laughs> oh, she was—she was obviously she would she wanted me to sign for Celtic, but I never had that. I mean, Celtic asked me to go and train, and, and I wasn't a died in the wheel Rangers man at all. Mm-hmm. I was a Dundee United fan, but I just never had that feeling to go to Celtic. To be honest, once once I'd went to Rangers, mm-hmm. I just that was me basically. And I'm not saying that to be you know to to, to be you know, sensationalist or, yeah. or anything like that. I'm, I just never had the feeling that I wanted to be at Celtic. Mm-hmm. Um, and Listen, she, she obviously wants Rangers to, to, be, to, be, to be beaten when, when they're playing Celtic, but she always wanted me to do well. She would always come to the Scotland games, etc. And she went to a few Rangers games as well, sitting in the Rangers end with her hands on her, <laughs> under her, under her legs. Um, nah, but it's, it's family, innit? They always support you, ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've seen another, an interview where you said before when you went to Rangers, it was like you were in the army, you know what I mean? Getting, it was sort of military-like, was that a, a, a big sort of... Culture shock for you, for, from what you were what you were used to. Well, you, well, you go from boys' club football, yeah. um, where you're the best player or the yeah. best of two players, probably, and then you go in there and, and ultimately, and, and I say it to my young boys now, and you can't you can't do it now to the ex, to the extreme lens. However. The principle is, stu- is such that you've got to open your mind to new things. Mm-hmm. You need to be pushed to levels you've never been before, physically, mentally, tactically, technically. 
from a from a diet point of view, mm-hmm. you've got to change your whole lifestyle and handle social pressures. Mm-hmm. So when we went there, of course, there was no social media, but they were looking for the one. Yeah, they were looking for that one that could hack it, mm-hmm. to be pushed, to be doubted, to be swore at. Again, not acceptable nowadays, but that was the generation. So I still have that principle, but I'm no effing and blinding because that's not how it works now. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be you've got to be malleable. You've got to. But I still have my my uh, core values. Mm-hmm. So I'm still pushing boys to no accept for getting where they're standing at a, a defensive throne mm-hmm. because that is what we agreed on. That's what we signed up to. You need to adhere to that. And we pushed them. I mean, uh, for instance, I had a, a, a circuit this yesterday morning. We gave them the weekend free because they very rarely get weekends free, my boys. Um, and I gave them the weekend free. I said, but be prepared for Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will be getting some cardio in the morning in the gym. And then they'll get training, the tactical, the technical stuff in the afternoon. And it was 45 seconds on, 15 seconds rest. 11 st- stations. Yet three of the young boys were hurling. <laughs> so I don't know if it's because they've not had their breakfast or they hadn't prepared properly, but we do that often. So it just shows you that you've got to push them to that because they've got two years. Yeah. They've got two years of maturing. I mean, you think about it, they're only 16 when they join us, some of them. Mm. I mean, the frontal lobe's just formed then. You know? <laughs> so they're still, they're still a wee bit ditzy in yeah. their mind. They're a wee bit pulled between women and football and, and, and their bodies are changing, they're losing their coordination. They're, they go for being the best player to, again, a group of 25, 30 that are ahead of them. They're, they're now being taught differently from the word mm. at 16, at 15. Man's football, it's an environment where there's testosterone kicking about. All these things they need to cope, mm-hmm. and it, some of them never cope. Some take six months, some take a year. Because, like, when they walk in the door, they're, they're, they're f- I mean, we, we take their weight on day one, yeah, they're 60 kilos. No professional football players, boys, at 60 kilos, none. So, even if they're tactically smart. Technically good, really quick. They still need to get a 74 kilos before they're playing in the first team. They might come in and out, but you're looking at between 74 and 85 kilos will be your 74 will be your wingers, maybe a midfielder. Yeah. But even the ones that are 74 in my 21 squad, I'm wanting them up at 78, 79. You know, for a normal sized footballer, like height wise. So you're somebody that's 5'10. I'm wanting them at 78 kilos. Depending on the body type, of course, there's no black and white. Mm-hmm. But all these things take time. That's on that's on the on the, on the assumption that the technical and the tactical stuff clicks. Yeah. But you've still got that form in your body, form in your mind, understand the position, how you operate in a 4-3-3 versus a 4-4-2. I mean, all these different permutations that you've got from each position. Mm-hmm. So the likelihood that these boys succeeding is small, mm-hmm. but we've got to push and push and push and push and push because we've got a responsibility to make them the best they can be, mm-hmm. rather than just saying, oh, he's a good player, I give him a game of football, he's good, technically good. 
strong enough. The amount of players, even that growing up, I'm growing up, I, I played with boys that were amazing, but they never made it for one reason or another. But it's like you say, technically brilliant, but boys might not have the, that level of technical ability, the ones that rise to the top, you know what I mean? Because they've got the physicality and that sort of stuff. Give me two players. Do you know what the first thing I would say? If you, this is hypothetical, right? You can get two players who have identical ability, or similar ability, similar speed. I would sign the one with a higher IQ. Aye. All day long. The ability to understand something and implement it real time in the heat of the battle. Perception. So now I don't know if I'll, I'll, it will ever get to this, but I'm pretty sure the top clubs who, by the way, can sign four of the similar quality players. Mm. IQ tests, mm -hmm. visualization tests, if there is such a thing. Can you see what's happening? Can you understand and take an instruction and implement it? And in some form of test, I don't know how, you know, and, and I'm sure this will come, but there must be some form of, because everybody learns differently, we all know that. Some learn visually, mm -hmm. some learn from audio, yeah. reading, right. The kinesthetic. So you've got all these four different types of learning. Mm -hmm. So give me the one that takes us on information and can implement ahead of it. And by the way, the, I would take one with less talent for that one that was th th that could be. I want a robot. Yeah. A robot in terms of because you can't hear eleven robots. Yeah. But I'm wanting percentages. When you pull in, I mean Motherwell, for instance, we have a small, 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 tiny budget for the first team. Can you imagine what the 20s budget's like in the 18s? Yeah. So we are looking at bringing in three players next year. And it's on peanuts, by the way. Yeah. Total peanuts. It's barely, you know, it's barely minimum wage. Yeah. So give me the one that has the intelligence and the ability to run and you could coach the rest. Yeah. I think. Um, going back to interviewed Paul Reed. Uh, he was, he was at Rangers back in the day. Oh, he says that um, when he was there, the, the Dick Advocate didn't never knew his name. Called him Peter. Can you remember? Ah, yeah, I, actually do re I actually do remember the story. Um, <laughs> I think, I, I mean, listen, Paul was signed for... A lot of money back then for... Yeah, a lot. Was it 700 grand or something? Something like that from Carlisle. So I, I think the, the recruitment of Paul was hasty. Yeah. Um, for what Rangers needed. Now, bearing in mind, David Murray paid four million for Colin Henry. Yeah. Behind Dick Advocate's back. Mm -hmm. Paul Ritchie behind Aye. Advocate's back. And I'm sure Paul Reed was in that bracket. Yeah. So I don't blame Advocate per se for that. Mm -hmm. And I think Reed Reed likes, you know, Reed loves a laugh. He, he he's not taking himself too serious. He's doing yeah. great 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 for himself now, he's doing fantastic. Aye, Sunderland now. Aye, smashing guy. He'll he'll do great. Yeah. Um but if Advocate can come in and bin Henry and yeah. Paul Ritchie straight away because he they, they couldn't handle the ball. We all respect yeah. Colin Henry was a phenomenal uh, captain. And, uh, it wasn't an Advocate player really. No, because you've got to handle the ball. Aye. And if you look at Guardiola and, and, and Klopp and that, you've got, as a centre-back now in the top level, you've got to handle the ball. Yeah. And Rangers then were the top level. So they replaced that with Amorusos, with Craig Moore, with Newman, with... Tony Vidmar, another one yeah. who he could handle the ball. So I understand why Paul never got through. Mm -hmm. um, 
and talking about handling the ball, you know, I got through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why, but um, <laughs> if that was the prerequisite, but um, yeah, for a centre back, Paul Paul was Paul was maybe a wee bit unlucky. You mentioned advocate there. What was what was he like to to deal with? His biggest thing was discipline. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, if you, again, I've touched on this before, but how are you going to how are you going to tell Arthur Newman how to get into position to a cross? How are you going to tell him about covering centre backs? How are you going to tell him to run inside if your wingers got with? I mean, there's. He was just about keeping a group of twenty-four very rich people, mm-hmm. full of ego, in line, and he did it for day one. Mm-hmm. No messing about, straight in, bang, right in the deep end. You will eat your dinner once I've sat down. <laughs> then I'll tell you you can eat your dinner. So you've got 25 people, it's like the Last Supper, lined up, 12 one side, 12 another, one at the end, and Dick comes in, I call him Dick the gaffer, yeah. comes in and goes, enjoy your meal. Straight away, he's saying, I'm the gaffer, yeah. nobody's messing about. Yeah. So it, he was, and you know, see top players, top players look after themselves, yeah. it's the wee climbers and the wee ones in the middle that are typically the ones that are a wee bit more, you need to run your eye over. Honestly, you're going to need to tell the Boers and, and Neil McCann's and all that to behave themselves. No, they're already doing it. That's why they're there. So, nah, listen, he was a disciplinarian. That's first and foremost. He had a b- very basic principles. The training never deviated much. However, he would pull a wee master stroke tactically. For mm. instance, putting putting Tugai, who I was a holding midfielder, was sensational. He puts him at centre back and he ran the game. Right. That's a master stroke. Now that is now the norm. Midfielder right. dropping in and all this stuff and setting play and do, 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 do. that was 25 years ago. Yeah. So now he was very tactically shrewd, very clever. Um, and do you know what? Deep down, really kind hearted. Yeah. Really nice man. Aye. Um, in terms of you walking in there, you mentioned the egos and all that sort of stuff. Mm. These guys have played at World Cups and what have you in internationals. But you mm. overawed somewhat, or do you feel like here I, I belong here? I the first time I was overawed, um, I was I was just in the door and I seen Brian Loudrop come for lunch, <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, that's Brian Loudrop. <laughs> Can't believe I hate him, by the way. How great is he? Big guy, How great is his hair, by the way? <laughs> you know, it was just all these emotions. Just you know, you're sitting there with Durante and Loudrop and. All these boys are like, oh my day in here, man, I've got no chance. And, but the indoctrination starts, and I've touched on this again. The indoctrination started when I was 14. Mm-hmm. No one likes us, we don't care. Mm-hmm. That badge, they're playing against the badge, you've got to stand up to anything you've got. Mm-hmm. John Gregg, first week I'm in the building, pulls me. You've got to retaliate first. All these things. You're going to be getting chopped by these players, you've got to go higher than them. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of being tackled, you go higher than them, talk about it later, all this, boom, 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 what it takes to play for Rangers. Mm-hmm. And you start, you start believing it, you start getting right into it. So by the time I broke into the first team, I've had three years of this indoctrination. When I got in there and I'm training against Andrew Kinchelskis, I'm saying, I'm not letting murder you. Yeah. I'm not letting you go past me, I'm not giving a, who are you? Mm-hmm. That's, that's your fever pitch, you're at, you're at fight or flight mode there. Yeah. And it overspills, and you have your fights, and you have your, you know, me and Mikey Moles were, Mikey Moles hit me, punched me three times inside the head before I knew what hit me, because I, I threw him out the road uh-huh. to intercept a pass, but as I've nudged him out the road, mm-hmm. he's hit me with three rapids, cut final week, two days before final, no. 
Too rapid, boof, boof, right to the side of the head. That's cup final week, so when you're there, there's 11 jerseys, 25 bodies, whatever it was, and everybody's just cutthroat. Mm-hmm. So it's, to answer your question, overawed, no, because again, if I was overawed, I would, they would have smelled it on me. Mm-hmm. They would have smelled it, and I wouldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. So there's a level of, I would say, compartmentalisation where you need to bury it. Mm-hmm. You need to th- kind of think about there's 50,000 fans. You kind of think of, what if you get beat? Mm-hmm. You've just got to do what you've been trained. It's like, I mean, you watch everybody watch Who There's Wins now, yeah. the, the, the SAS guys. Aye. Do you think that they're no nervous going into a, a battlefield or to secure a hill or absolutely no, into a windy and, 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 and go into an area you don't know? But you, the training kicks in. That indoctrination where you've got to be cool, you've got to slow your heart rate, all these things. I think all these things happened at Rangers without us even realising it. Mm-hmm. I don't think you realise it. It's gone on. You don't. You're just programmed. That's it. Yeah. Aye. Your debut. Dens Park, is, it, mm. is that right? Can you remember much of it? I do, aye. I remember getting the call round. Uh, as soon as we went 4-1 up, 5-1, I thought, can't be chance of going on here. Mm. And he put me and Billy Gibson out to warm yeah. up. And he just gave me the nod and I went, oh my God, I'm going on here. <laughs> and then the first thing I thought was, as soon as I stepped onto the park, one step I thought, I've done it. I've, 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 I've made what I'd achieve, hoped to achieve, to get on and be a Rangers player. Yeah. You don't think, okay, that's me putting the feet up, you still, you still want more. But I thought, yep, yeah, okay, I've, I've, I've at least got a chance now. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I, mean, I think we won 6-7-1. 7-1, I think. 7-1, aye. And then, like, again, I don't think I featured again aye. until the next year. Mm-hmm. And then I think the following year I played something like 28 games or something for for, mm-hmm. for, uh, for the manager. Um, it's all good times, yeah. Your first game at Ibrooks, can you, you remember that? I can't, no. I can't. What was Ibrox like playing it in terms? Because the team, I mean, is going through a bit of a, a sticky patch at the moment where the fans can get on your back mm. if, oh, you're no, if you're no winning at half time. Oh, it's brutal. Yeah. It is brutal. And by the way, you hear every grumble. Aye. Um, collective grumbles you hear. Very rarely you hear individual shouts because there's so many shouting at the one point. Mm-hmm. But you hear the grumble. Oof. Mm-hmm. Um, but again. The, the process of getting you used to it, I mean, we used to have games against Celtic that would always play them at Ibrox. No, there was reserve games getting 38,000 in the days. Mingling a few reserve games, 38,000 at Ibrox. <laughs> it's the biggest crowd in Britain that day, uh-huh. outside, I think, Aston Villa or something. Uh-huh. Um, but you're, again, you, you're kind of brought up on it, you're prepared on it. You're still sticking, you're sticking together. Mm-hmm. No, I remember Craig Moore pulling me in and saying, oh, get on, mate, mm-hmm. get on, mate. You want a morning, you want to go on, mate? Go on, mate. That fucking, you know, that whole... Just, just, yeah, you're just basically... <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh-huh. You, you've got it, you know, mate. Because uh-huh. you've got to win, you've got to beat Celtic. Got, they played the day before, they won. They're three points ahead of you. You're ten minutes to go against a sticky Dundee side. Uh-huh. You're just hoping one of the boys up front are going to go and do their bit. Get it to them, get it to them, get it to them. And that's... It's about finding a way. Yeah. yeah. You played in a few old firm games, of course. Mm. Uh, not pull one of the, the cup final in 2002. What was that like to play in an cla- absolute classic that game? I, I think we battered them. We battered them. We yeah. battered them. Um, I know they scored two, but I thought the golfing class was fast for me. Mm-hmm. As, listen, on the day, mm-hmm. 
there was two titans together and we were better on the day mm. and I thought the class in the second half showed mm. however Celtic were phenomenal as well so I'm not saying overall we were different class that day I felt we were mm-hmm. um, just, just mere legs mere energy um, yeah, Celtic had an aging team there whereas we felt we had their legs everywhere especially mm-hmm. in wide areas Lowen Kranz Neely yeah. Newman myself on the right Kanija what was he like to play with? Claudio was great because if you were in trouble you just fed him the ball and he, he would just ride challenges and that was his thing wasn't it riding challenges mm-hmm. I mean I, was, I think he was bulletproof that guy um, the amount of people just to kick lumps at him and he yeah. would just but keep his balance mm-hmm. just just a gifted gifted guy and, and it's just when you look back at it and you think my god I've actually had a laugh and a joke with lunch with him every day Aye. Played football, we had won trophies with this guy. It's, guy's a legend. It's, it's a bit special, aye. But I mean, I, I put Barry Ferguson, Craig Moore, and Neil McCann in that bracket as well. That mm-hmm. To win a treble special, I mean, what Celtic have done now, okay, mm-hmm. but it's not been at a top level Rangers. So it's for me, it's a wee bit flawed. I'm mm-hmm. not going to you know, take that away from Celtic. To win trophies is difficult. Now, back then, the two of them were, were proper Pre- heavyweights, weren't Yeah, they? absolutely. Just two heavyweights, just yeah. hit for hit, hit for hit. Mm-hmm. I mean, to win the league twice by a goal or, or, or a point or whatever it was, it shows you how, how close it was. Because mm-hmm. at that time, that was Celtics. If you asked Celtics fans now who are the best team they've seen, it'll be that Celtic team. Oh, aye. And you ask the Rangers fans of this generation, or the last three generations, mm-hmm. I think they might say Advocates team stroke. McLeish's team because it was still had advocates print on it. Yeah. Probably say that's pound for pound. I would say that's probably the best football Ranger I've ever played. Yeah. That treble winning season, like you say, when they're going toe for toe, is that? Do you enjoy that going out and playing games? Or is it mega nerve wracking? I'll tell you what it is. It's a constant ebb and flow of tension, relief, tension, Aye. relief, and that's all you're going through. Next game, who we got? Right, Aberdeen away. Oof. Right, up we go. Mm-hmm. One one nothing. Back down the road. Who we got next? Motherwell away. Oof. Mm-hmm. Let's get through it. Find a way. Mm-hmm. And that was it. So it's, you enjoy it for about ten minutes, and then you're focusing on. Mm-hmm. You're, and then you're on the bus, and the chef saying, "What do you want? Oh, here's steak." And mm-hmm. the chef's preparing a steak for you because you've got a game at Easter Road midweek. Mm-hmm. Recover. Repeat, recover, repeat. So mm-hmm. you, I don't know. And by the way, that was at the end of the season. Then you just went, yeah, and had a blowout for four days because you, you, it was only time you could really enjoy it. Yeah. Mm. Um, you mentioned that that squad is, is that the best squad you, you you've played in. Would you say that one? Yeah. yeah. Arteta and all that and De Bruyne. I think it did. Like you said, advocate the advocate squad when I think they won the double and and the treble and what have you. That sort of glamorise somewhat more so than McLeish's side did you think maybe overlook what that squad achieved that, that year because Celtic reached the UEFA Cup final that year as well then us winning the, the treble that year under McLeish yeah again I think that the manager came in at a good time a new voice yeah Scottish a wee bit more steely got a wee bit extra out the foreign boys like in terms of putting their foot in and whatnot. Mm-hmm. 
listen, you don't win leagues unless you've got good players. Mm -hmm. And we had good players. Mm -hmm. And we had a formula that worked. I mean, I would say Dick Advocate's team with Giovanni and all that, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, yeah. and that was arguably better. Mm -hmm. you look at the stuff they played in Europe. I mean, going and, I mean, destroying Bayern Munich. Like, I mean, yeah. like seriously, playing with style, pizzazz. Yeah. Sometimes it's not enough. I mean, look at Man City. There's sometimes style and pizzazz is not enough. You've got to hear that wee bit extra and, and whatnot. Yeah. But no, I don't want to say one's better than the other because you know the 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 two different uh, teams yeah. as such. So just a good time for Rangers. It was yeah. just nice to win trophies. That Dunfermline game. What was that like? The last game. I was actually seen? in the squad. I wasn't in the squad that day. I was up in the stand. I missed out. Um, but you're just stuck to you're just hearing boys on the radio all the time. I, think. I mean, Celtic won what five or something down there. It was four, I think, and that's the penalty. I'm sure. Aye, and I think that yeah. I had to score the penalty to, to make sure of it. Aye, and uh, you knocked it in, and we won, and we en ended up going mental for a couple of days and celebrating and that. So just good times. <laughs> just always good times. During that time, 2002, you get the, the call up to the, the Scotland squad as well. Mm. Good memories of for Scotland it was a tough time really for the, the national team well it's been a tough time for the last 20 years hasn't mm. it but in terms of personal level wise must be proud to be yeah but I always felt because it was, and, I've, and I've said this before and I really need to word it properly because it would hate to come for it to come over as patronising or, or denigrating to anybody but when you're training with the Boer and Arteta Ferguson, Newman, Kloss, Amoruso every day. Yeah. When you turn up to arguably a, a quite a poor Scotland squad, and I include myself in that by the way, I never got my juices flowing. Mm. Standing doing the national anthem, playing for your country on the in the eleven against Germany or Holland or that, yeah. different story. Because you know that's that's the special part. But to actually for the for the day to day thing. I think the Rangers team or the Celtic team in that time would have beat the Scotland squad. Mm. I really do beat the Scotland team. Um, so I think it's I think when when you're for, like for instance if you if you're playing for for Dundee United for instance mm. and you're, you're playing for six thousand every week and then you're thrust bang into fifty two thousand against Germany at Hamden it's 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 more of a jump than. Yeah. Well, we play in front of 52 every week at, at Ibrox, kind of thing, um, or every four weeks whenever I got a game. Um, but to play for your country is always nice, but for me, my biggest achievement, I think, mm. because I was playing for Scotland and not getting a game for Rangers, which backs up my statement that yeah. it was harder to get in that Rangers team than it was in, in, in the Scotland team. So my biggest achievement for me was winning a treble mm -hmm. with Rangers, I think. Proud to have played for Scotland, of course getting the caps and, and what I'm thankful to for Bertie and Tommy Burns for giving me my caps. Mm -hmm. But talking honestly and openly and without trying to say the right thing, I was super, super proud that I achieved to win a treble with Rangers. That's more difficult than, than, than to get a Scotland Cup, I think. Yeah. At that time. In terms of club level you mentioned winning the treble, but the next season it sort of fell a wee a wee bit. Can you put your finger on what that could have been? There's no rhyme or reason because again it's margins. I mean, Celtic could have easily won the treble the year we won the treble. Right. It's that fine. Right. So to then say it fell off a wee bit, it's not. It's just Celtic had a great team and they, and they pipped us on that occasion just the way that Neil Lennon can say our Rangers pipped us in in, in, uh, in the treble season. So 
Very fine margins. Yeah. So I wouldn't have said that we fell off or, or anything like that. Yeah. David Cooper Cup final, you scored the opening goal, it must mm. be high up in that, that was nice, that was nice, because, listen, for me to score a goal in training was nice. <laughs> to score in a cup final, it was just... <laughs> Yeah, it's just it was just a nice, just another nice wee story for yeah, scoring a hand in the opener, scoring mm. the opener as well. You know, yeah, it's one of the ones you hope maybe else scores and you scored the winner. <laughs> but <laughs> but no, 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 it was nice, good good time. You played in the old firm game that the two thousand four five season when Celtic beat Rangers at Ibrox and the famous we've won the league already with five points clear with, with four games to go. Did did the boys feel that the the league was maybe away from at that point. Was that when we ended up nicking it? Aye, at Easter Road. Yeah, um, yeah, you're thinking, hmm, that's it. Aye. Yeah, of course we did. You still don't change your approach, you still Aye. don't stop running, you still don't, you never concede, especially. You know, yeah. It's that whole whole thing of being a professional footballer, you've got to give your all. Mm -hmm. But I can see one or two of the foreign boys saying, ah, that's it now. Yeah. And by the way, I remember their names, I'm not going to say them, but they chucked it. Mm. And they left to go to foreign countries, kidding on they were injured, etc. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Um, and these wee, th wee negative things maybe shouldn't come to my mind, but they do. Um, because these boys were given an order for me in certain games in that period. Mm -hmm. And we can all see it, the Scottish ones, etc. The, the Craig Moores, and, you know, I include Oz as a Scottish yeah. one. But we got over the line. And that's the special part, you know, going there and seeing boys like Shota Valadi, who's arguably the best finisher I've ever seen. He's that up, was good, eh? He's up there with Larson as in terms of finishing. If you look at his career goals, yeah, he's scored goals in Holland, the same scored goals like, here. Top clubs as well. Yeah, he's always done great. And by the way, never, never really smashed them in, just passed them in. Mm -hmm. um, seeing boys like him emotional and guys like mm. Stefan Kloss and Vatarus and all these boys that have had massive, massive careers, great careers, touched by winning trophies for Rangers. It's nice. It's nice and you're going, I'm part of this with these guys. It's just surreal. Mm -hmm. uh, you never played that Helicopter Sunday no. game. No. What was the reason for that? Again, good players ahead of me. Mm. Good players ahead of me. Fernando Rickson, one of the best midfielders stroke fullbacks Rangers have had in, in, in years. Mm -hmm. Alan Hutton was coming through, you've got guys like Zura Kishnansvili who was a capable fullback, mm -hmm. who's played 70 times for Georgia. Yeah. You know, even though they're no household names, they're still hundreds, loads of cats for their countries. <laughs> you know, it's even even guys that you didn't even think, I mean, Christian Nerling, I mean, career he's had. So you know, if he wasn't injury prone, he'd be Top player, there, yeah. So, at the time you think I should be playing because you're programmed to think like that. But when you look back, you go, "See why I never." <laughs> and the gaffer was right because they won. So you can say what you like. At the end of the day, the manager picked a team to win at Easter Road and they won. Mm -hmm. Job done. Yeah. We are there at his disposal. Yeah. It's just the fact that when you're there and you're 21, 23, 24, whatever it is, you think you're the bee's knees and you should play every week. Yeah. But so does the other international boys that are in there as well. Mm -hmm. When the time comes to, to leave Rangers, what, how did all that come about? Were you disappointed to, to leave when you did? No, because the writing was on the wall. They said to me they were going to go with the boy Hutton and give him a chance, which I thought was it was the right decision, to be honest. Um, if, weirdly enough, when I left there, 
I went briefly to Sheffield Wednesday and yeah. they never offered me any money or a contract or anything. It was a bit of a shambles, to be honest, because I got a pay up from Rangers to go. So I ended up just saying, I'll go and play. So I was mistreated there a bit. And then I went to Wolves. Yeah. But going to Wolves was great because I was around top players again. Mm-hmm. And I ended up in yeah. Lescott, Julian Lescott, uh, Carlton Cole. Mm-hmm. Oh, good, right good footballers. Yeah. Um, but the difference was frightening. It was like I'd been relieved of any pressure, stress. Mm-hmm. And do you notice that in terms oh, of it's incredible. living down there? Oh. Yeah. Nobody, nobody cares. <laughs> I can go yeah. for a coffee without being called a whatever, yeah. or being asked to sign an autograph, or to be scrutinised in any way, or judged, or... Yeah. And even though the average fan, they think they're being quiet, they're no, you can actually hear that, oh, there's that guy more, so, so. Uh, there's that it. guy, you can hear it. Yeah. And when that's constant, you get used to it, but you then realise it's a pressure. Mm-hmm until you leave. Yeah. So I actually felt relieved, but it's, it's weird. It's like, you know it's not healthy, but it's addictive. Yeah. That scrutiny, that pressure, it's quite, it's weird. So I think mentally, I think it was a good thing. Yeah. Um, and um, I said, Rangers has made me everything I'm the man I'm the day. Yeah. From John Brown to Dick Advocate to Jan Wouters, in terms of football education. I've heard you mention Jan Wouters before, what, 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 what was he like, what was so special about him? Just, just altered my way of thinking about football yeah. that nobody else has ever done mm. since. So, um, just simplifying the game for you? No, just retraining my mind to think the opposite of what I was thinking. You see it all the time, teams lose the ball. Now I'm talking 20 years ago. Now all this thing about stepping forward when you lose the ball mm. is now ubiquitous because you see it on Monday Night Football every week because Pep Guardiola and Klopp have done it. But 20 years ago, Nadia was doing it. Mm. So for instance, when your team loses the ball, defend by stepping toward the ball rather than away from the ball. Have an impact higher up the pitch rather than... And you can hear your fancy gag impression or whatever it is now yeah. that they're calling it. But that was only one part of the game that he started to go, oh, this is different. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just that, I could, I, could, I could write a book on what he's taught me. Yeah. Um, and I'm just super grateful. I think that's been more valuable than anything mm-hmm. in terms of me who wants to be coached now. If I didn't want to be a coach, I would say, yeah, winning trophies for Rangers will live me the rest of my life. Of course it will. However, what I've taken in terms of intellectual data mm-hmm. for Rangers Football Club has set me up with a skill set and an understanding and a knowledge that I can hear a career the rest of my life mm-hmm. in football. Can you, do you contact these guys now that you're a coach, Morrison, and ask them for advice or anything like that at all? Not really, because I'm, I was a terrible networker. I, I never kept, I wasn't the one to hang on. Yeah. When I left the place, I tried to say, okay, that was great, I'm going to move on and get new experience now. Yeah. Hence, you can look at my career and, and see what, what, what that mindset has, has, has kind yeah. of played out. Um, However, if I did see Jan, I would still be very grateful and I would, I would thank him and, and actually say it to him. Um, he's probably read or heard it, I guess, if he's, if he's still keeping in touch with Scottish football. Mm-hmm. Um, but he would be the one go-to guy yeah. um, that he kick-started my curious, oh, I want to know more about that. Yeah. Um, 
and Hoddle was another one who was very good in terms of his man management style. Um, I was going to ask you about Glenn Hoddle, but what was he like? He's great, more, more, more calm. Yeah. Like a like your, like that nice uncle that you've got, you know, the nice uncle that everybody loves. <laughs> you know, but he was just a genius in terms of how he spoke, standards that he drove with his shouting. Mm-hmm. Just calm. Just a nice man that knew his stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's given me that side, and and, and I, I get stick at Motherwell for saying it. But the manager we've got now is is on a on a level, if no better, than these guys. Stephen Robinson. Nah, honestly. And I get, I get pelters the last time I came out and said that, in my opinion, the attention to detail mm-hmm. from a Monday to a Saturday that he puts in is the best I've seen. Yeah. A um. good detail. But detail, thorough, keeping boys on their toes, keeping a stadium happy, keeping employees happy, mm-hmm. making sure everything's constantly spinning. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he suits him anymore. Yeah. But he, he's, I think he's destined for, 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 for bigger things with, with all respect to, to, to the club that we're employed by now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's natural. A, a player does well at a club, they move on. This is the, the model that Motherwell has. And as long as Motherwell keeps Stephen Robinson, they will be, they will be in, 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 in good hands, that's for sure. Yeah. But again, there's a guy who played in England yeah. under Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Under managers that are good fantastic. Yeah. Uh, played with Klinsmans and all that. Yeah. Came away for the game, went to Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. started education, educating himself as a coach, doing educational coaches. Uh, like He's actually going and educating coaches, yeah. so you learn from by doing the kinesthetic stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's went his wee business in his own wee way. And I could see similarities with me going away to the Faroes, going away to Norway, doing my wee thing, mm-hmm. but with the principles that you learned as a footballer yeah. at the top level, top level, diluting it back to the level you're at and building it and perfecting it. And now what you're seeing at Motherwell is years of perfection or perfecting his trade. Mm-hmm. And now you're seeing the part of or nearly a finished article at, at this level, I think. Yeah. And this is why I've got such a good connection with him and, and such kind of respect for him that I could I could see that he's he's went the unconventional way around. Yeah. And he deserves all the kind of plaudits he's getting at the moment. Yeah. Uh, your playing career was a bit unconventional, um, going to Norway and then Turkey and, and China. Was that just wanting to experience new, new, new countries? It was just about going to a new place, falling out with people, and moving <laughs> on. Um. Yeah, I never, I never stopped. I couldn't, I couldn't rid myself of the fight or flight mentality that had been instilled in me since I was twelve years old. Yeah. I couldn't have turned it off. Yeah. Unfortunately for me, going into Norwegian culture where nobody shouts, nobody kicks, nobody fights wow. or anything, <laughs> and then they're coming on the bus and they're happy with winning or getting a draw, and I'm like, oh, oh this is torture. This is just everything against. What mm. I'm, and just, I've always been a questioner. I've always questioned why. So when I was at school, it wasn't enough for me to know the answer. I had to know why it was the answer. So if I can understand why, I could then implement yeah. in a different scenario or a different question. Yeah. So I was always a why guy, a why guy. Uh-huh. And no many coaches like to be questioned why. Mm-hmm. 
Now the tone at which you say, why are we doing this? Or, coach, why, why is it we're doing this? Different, totally different. Same words, different tonality, uh -huh. different outcome. So what I'm always trying to profess to my young boys is, ask me why. Because if you don't ask why, you're never going to know. Yeah. And Come back to this intelligence thing again, isn't it? You exactly, want you want question it. Yeah, question it. And by the way, see if you, see if you go into an auditorium at yeah. university and there's 200 people in that kind of big auditorium and the guy's on the spot. Mm. He loves to be questioned. Loves it. Yeah. Because he knows three and four and five levels deep. He wants to tell you how smart he is. Yeah. The coaches, some coaches I've had, I know that clever. Mm -hmm. So the questions you're asking them are putting him into a. Oh, I don't like this question. So they, what did they like? They snarl back, and then there's a problem. I think the best coaches crave it. Mm -hmm. Ask me, crave it. I want to show you how good you are. Ah, but what about that? Oh, well that happens. That happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but what if that then happens? Yeah, well it's okay. We'll fix that because this happens. Everything's corresponding. Yeah. And it's about having that belief in yourself and, and level of knowledge in yourself that you you willingly want questioned. Mm -hmm. Half time one hand down away to Hibs, you want people to shut up and listen. Yeah. Different scenario. But you as a football player, coming back to intelligence, this is emotional intelligence. Oh, I'm going to be quiet here. Mm -hmm. But when he's finished talking, I'm going to go around to an assistant and say, what about this, this and this? Mm -hmm. Then you get your information. But again, that's just having an emotional intelligence to say, when I'm in Norway, I'm saying, why am I on a bike a day after a game for 45 minutes and I need to get a pulse of 150? Mm -hmm. Tell me why I'm doing this, because this is meant to be recovery. Mm -hmm. I need to wave my arms up and down to get to 130 pulse. <laughs> my legs are burst. <laughs> Just do it. Hey, you've always got something to say, Ross. I said, well, you've told me 150. Yeah. There's 15 players here who have all got different maximum heart rates. Mm -hmm. So we're doing everything for the same, but you've got 15 individuals that didn't have that. Mm -hmm. So somebody can get to 150. By the way, have you ever been on a bike and try to get 150 pulse? Yeah, I don't think so. It's barely, I, it's a doing, I, right? <laughs> a doing, that's, that's like a, a spin session, Aye, going up the hill like on for nine minutes. Uh -huh. Anyway, <laughs> so, I'm like, so I would always say, why, why? So what they then see me as being obstinate, but actually I hear all these boys moaning. Yeah. And because I came for a good background, I thought, well, I'm going to stick up Questions. for this. Yeah. Aye. But they see it as being obstinate and, and being a problem. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm actually welcoming that approach now. Yeah. So coaching in Norway, do you find it difficult to, to handle the, the players? Coaching in Norway was great. Yeah. Because, see, bad experiences with coaches and football and that, mm -hmm. they're just as valuable as the good ones. Mm -hmm because you know not what to do. Aye. And when I coached in the fourth division in Norway, we got double promotion back to back, both, mm -hmm. both, and finished fifth in the second division. I had loyal young boys mm -hmm. that would run and do what we were told in terms of shape. Mm -hmm. I had sponges, I had 17 sponges, and they weren't paid a thing, mm -hmm. but they were loyal. So they were straight away, if I get top level team, I'm wanting young, hungry, loyal boys. Yeah. Now, whether you're paying them 40 grand a week or nothing, you still want that loyal, young, yeah. athletic model. Mm -hmm. So I've learned for that. But I then went to another club in Norway who were 
overpaying the players for the, the for that level. Mm -hmm. I'm talking the second division in Norway. The boys were getting forty grand a year. <laughs> second division in Norway. <laughs> Aye, bonkers. Who've done nothing in the game, questioning me with the tonality that I don't like. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't. I didn't. Listen, I didn't listen to this. Yeah. I'm telling you. I'm giving. I'm saying. Here's why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z. Do we all agree on this? Majority. Yeah. The one that doesn't. You don't agree with it? Oh, where you go? Buff. Ah, there's a door. There you go. Where you go? I said to one boy, uh, by the way, he was a star. He could have been a star as a centre half, mm -hmm. but he wanted to play wide left. Never scored a goal in his life. Never put a cross in his life. But <laughs> thought he was a left winger. Because what? Because your school teachers told you you were a left winger. The boy could have been a star. He was yeah. quick. Good in the air. Good touch. And I said, you're going to play centre back tomorrow. Mm -hmm. He said, well, I've thought we've spoke about this. I'm not playing centre back. I said, right, away you go. Boof, never again. Did he mean? But it was in a village that was full of seven. It was seven thousand people in population. Yeah. So all these wee guys have got their job as a, a carpenter. Yeah. Getting two grand a month. Plus they're getting two grand a month, three grand a month for this That's club. Right. So yeah. they're they're the local heroes. Yeah. Never been promoted, by the way, because of this. Because they've got six of a nucleus. They want to do their own wee thing, and by the way, if they go up to the next league, they need to get rid of their job because they need to go full time. So it wasn't advantageous to them to work right. hard and do what they were told because they would have to give up thirty grand of their salary. Yeah. Because being in the second division, you can do both. So it was that. Oh, how do you coach against that? That's I don't. Crazy. And I said, right. do you know what? I'm out. Yeah. And I went and left to the Faroe Islands. Got a bunch of young boys mm. and d drilled them to the inch of their life. I was doing sake training with them freezing cold nights on a whistle move move just like that 10 minutes every day bosh 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 <laughs> it wins your football matches mm -hmm. so I've been away honing these skills so when I come into here and I've got better players everything flows easier but the principles are still be in shape be equidistant when you're moving around the pitch to your opponent and your uh, to your teammate all this stuff and and hopefully I'll, I'll hopefully I'll continue to improve and, and, and under under this management and, and Motherwell with Keith Larsley and the manager. Yeah. Then it's, it's 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 seeming that way. So I'm yeah, I'm just keen to get be as good as I can be. Yeah. We touched on the Faroe Islands there. Um we mentioned just before we came on. I was there in October time, loved it. What what did you what did you make it over there? Like we discussed before we you went yeah. uh, live. It's weirdly wonderful. Um it's still a country that's Unspoiled. Yeah. Um, everything gets done tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Which is frustrating <laughs> when you're trying to get. Notice that on, on the Sunday we were there. There was mean, nothing open. Nothing open. <laughs> and but nice people. Yeah. They'll 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 give you all they got. And yeah, it was a nice experience. But again, eighteen months away, learning about having a serious chairman. Mm. And a not so serious chairman. Mm -hmm. But the problem was that the serious chairman was in the small club, and then not so serious chairman was at the club that mm -hmm. had just won the league, who thought, because he'd won a few Faroe Island titles, that he was new Abramovich. <laughs> and they employed me for a reason, mm -hmm. and they wouldn't let me enforce what I felt was needed. Mm -hmm. For instance, I turn up and I will go into the kit room and there's a pile of cones 
six yellow, six green, twelve white, four blue. And I'm like, is this the kit? Yeah. I said, that's not good enough. <laughs> and I was facing this. It was good enough last year. We won the league. Oh dear. Okay. Okay, is this where we're going to be? Aye. I said, I need this, 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 and this, and this. And then the kit man, and then we had a wee bit of this. Yeah. But then he became my best mate. Because he's seen that I was trying to do things for the benefit of the club. Take up to a better level. To a better level, Aye. yeah. You know, you've got to move forward with the times. And having cones that are the same colour. Or, or a mixture of cones at the mm. same colour has it's got to be <laughs> bog standard. Yeah. Um, but I, I faced some some strange stuff. I mean, there, there was a young talent from a village. This is this is true. Mm-hmm. Seven kilometres. Yeah. And I said, he's twenty. He's going to be an internationalist. This boy, mm-hmm. sign him. He's free. Sign him now. Mm-hmm. I'm not insane and players face Gala. I said, it's seven kilometres away. It's not like I'm bringing him for... <laughs> now, I, I saw him signed a Moldovan, I think a Moldovan, uh-huh. and a Spaniard, but he wouldn't let me sign a guy for seven kilometres away because it was a local village. We need to play players for this village. I said, there's 600 people in this village. That's incredible. I said, I'm trying to build your club that... Because you've got, you've got the oldest squad in the Faroe Islands. You need to find... 16, 17, 18 year olds, getting them in the system now, so in two years time you're no signing the boy for Spain and the boy for Moldova, mm. because you've got them on your doorstep. Yeah. But there's 50,000 people in the Faroe Islands, what, 40% of them Aye, are over 40, Aye. or under 10. You've got a small, and half of them are women, so you've got a, you've got a pool of about 150 <laughs> people you can pick from, yeah. and you're, you're you're, you're excluding 95% of them mm. to your village. I said, is this for real? Mm. Aye, this is how it is. I was like, oh no, oh no. 11 games in, won the cup, sitting fourth, I think. Aye. Three points of what my prerequisite, uh, my, uh, my, uh, my, 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 my goal was of finishing uh-huh. third because they lost six first team players uh-huh. because of their age. And I got the bullet after 11 games, that was me. But it's been the best thing that's happened to me, so, I'm back in professional football, sitting third in the Premier League with, with, with Motherwell, mm-hmm. first team coach, um, and, and loving life. Yeah, I was going to say that, it's great that you're at Motherwell just now, what's, what's the, the ambitions for yourself then, you want to coach it um, as, as the main man again in, in Scotland? I'm not in, in a rush, I'm not in a, I'm not in a rush for that, mm. I still think I've got much development in terms of management mm-hmm. and, and seeing the manager manage day to day. I still need to. I still need to grow. Mm-hmm. I need to grow. Um, as a coach, I think I'm at a level that, that's. Uh, yeah, you know, for me to say is it would be conceited, but I'm. I'm. I'm happy the trajectory I'm on. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the thing with myself is, is I'm curious. I, I'm, I'm never. I'm never going to be happy with just being here. I'm going to want to be better next year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be want to be better tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for that. What's next? Where can I be better? So I'm on a pro license. That these 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 processes help. Day to day scenarios that just come up make you better. Mm-hmm. If you're interested, if you're looking for them, um, documenting. Um, I'm not a massive documenter because I think that your mind changes every six months. Anyway, football evolves so fast nowadays, mm-hmm. and your documentation is only as good as your retrieving system, your filing system. Mm-hmm. You can you can file five million bits of paper, but if you cannot 
find out where it is, it's pointless. Yeah. So I like to keep it fresh. I like to keep it kind of clean. I like to keep my principles and adapt my principles. Mm -hmm. The game's not going to change so much. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's about tweaking tweaking part of your system, seeing something on the television, adapting it to the level you're at. Because mm -hmm. everybody talks about Liverpool pressing, then and I go, then. How do you think they can press for 90 minutes? Mm -hmm. It's their training schedule, it's their rest, it's their, it's their diet, it's their natural genes, it's their DNA, what you want to call it. It's all these factors. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, you've got Hearts at the moment who are now going to go and start pressing the life out of teams. They couldn't do that way. Puyazu, he can't press for 90 minutes. So you need to dilute it to what you've got. So the, the fact is everybody wants to go and press it and win it high up and you've got 30 yards to go and finish. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants that. Have you got the individuals for it? Have you got the training facilities? Well, you can't work so hard on a ball get DL mm -hmm. because the boys will get injured. Mm -hmm. So you need to tailor it. And this is where the management side of it is where me being under the, the manager and Laz is, is hopefully going to stand me in good stead for the time that if I do decide to go into management mm -hmm. on, my, on my own right then I will be better for it however right now I've got too much learning to be uh, to, to go through uh, with Steve Robinson and Keith Lasley to, to even consider wanting to jump ship or, or, or I, f I feel a sense of loyalty to the, to, the, to the cause so in time it will evolve football pick will pick me Mm -hmm. I'll not pick football. Mm -hmm. So, somebody sees me as an option that will happen naturally. I think when you try and shoehorn things, you try and force things, it never works in life. Mm -hmm. Whether it's relationships, whether it's <laughs> buying a house, if you force it, it just yeah. it normally just flows. When it's right, it flows. Mm -hmm. And I feel that right now I'm in a good flow with something good, and I'm a part, a big part of that. Day to day, the manager and Laz gave me my place. I do my coaching, I do my learning, watching the manager manage. And it's it's just a good wee partnership or wee, wee, wee group that, that works. Mm -hmm. you know, obviously, I've got Craig Hinchcliffe in there as well. So, I'm in no rush to, to jump into the management side based on the fact that I feel I need the level I want to manage it. I still have a bit to learn in terms of managing football clubs. Mm -hmm. Coaching, yes, I fancy myself against anybody, but I've still got a lot to learn on the, on the management side. Yeah. Well, we wish you all the best, Morris. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much Class. for Thank joining you. us Thank on you the podcast. Much. Thank you. Cheers. Well, that was episode 31 of the Talking Football podcast with Morris Ross. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again for listening. Remember, if you've missed any so far, you can catch them all on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, and at DerekClarkSport.co.uk. Remember, we're also on Twitter at Talking underscore Football, and we're on Facebook as well. I hope you can join me again next week when I speak to Queen's Park legend Eddie Hunter. But until then, bye for now.